Welcome to the business of being well. If you're a hands-on practitioner who wants to grow a profitable business without working your life away, you're in the right place. So sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Um, Leslie Cornwell is returning to the show today. She was um, on a previous episode. If you missed it, you should go back and listen to it. Leslie really focused in that episode about um, her experience working as a midwife, running a business, having a family, and essentially all of that. The marketing side and how can Kella, I think we talked a lot about how similar chiropractors and midwives are and their challenges and their the, the flow and trying to serve families. We, we were very surprised, I was, how similar our challenges are as chiropractors and midwives and so being understood and education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My big takeaway from that episode, from that conversation with you was um, how not alone any one profession is, and especially in the healing professions, because um, I think I mentioned it in that episode, you know, just having worked with so many women in chiropractic for so many years, I kind of thought like the level of burnout that we can experience is just um, unique to us. But there's there have been many experiences that I have had over the last few weeks where God is showing me that that's not necessarily true. It's probably not true at all. Actually, um, everyone is at risk for feeling burned out, and and then like the whole cascade of things that come along with that. So, if you missed that discussion, I would go back and check it out. And um, today we're going to focus more on, well, hopefully proactively preventing getting to the point where you feel burned out, right? With like time and energy management. So. As we were getting ready to start recording today, Leslie was kind of talking a bit about some of the strategies that she uses. And we were just sharing, you know, that both of us have a lot of ideas about things that we want to do and ways that we can serve more people. And yet we can't take action on all of them. And that's that in and of itself can be a big struggle because we care so much about people. We want to help more people. And yet we have to take care of ourselves and be realistic about how much we can really do. Leslie, what do you want to say about that? (laughs) Yeah, I think, well, I'll just give you a brief summary just in case they haven't seen the last episode. I'm Leslie Cornwell. I'm a certified nurse midwife the last 10 years. um, I run midwifery business consultation and I love helping midwives all over the country with business and professional development. So um, I think that's how you and I just networking and connecting with like-minded alternative business consultants was powerful. Um, So yeah, I think for being proactive, it's just, it's a learning process. I know before we started hitting Record, we were talking about how habits are hard to change. Like we can give all the tools, the content, the resources under the sun. But if that person isn't directly accountable, if that person isn't in a place to say enough is enough, whether it goes with weight loss, whether it goes with a job and starting a business and taking that leap of faith, like we are so wired to be habitual. And I think COVID has made people just with everything and all the changes in life, our habits are trying to hold on even stronger than ever because we want something stable in our life. And so it's been very interesting to me. Like we can give all these tools, we can give all these suggestions and resources, but it really comes down to people saying, today I'm going to change. Today I'm going to do something different. It's going to be hard, but long-term I'm going to feel so much better. How do we inspire people to just take direct accountability for their own life choices? There's a way that this ties in, in a less obvious way to the work that you do. Um, 
So I'll give you a little bit of backstory of, of my thought process. Last weekend, as we're recording this last weekend, I taught a four-hour continuing ed course about burnout, managing, preventing burnout in the healthcare provider, and taught this course to chiropractors and taught it from the perspective primarily of here's what you can do in your practice to help your people, your patients, your clients who are struggling with burnout. And we talked about, you know, all the things like, um, what does the ICD 11 and, and the world health organization say are the criteria for making a diagnosis, the risk factors, the associated conditions, all of the clinical stuff. And I incorporated a lot of research, but as a person who has supported people who have been experiencing varying levels of burnout for the last six years, what I can tell you is just what you said, right? Like people can hear all the things about like all the good ideas and all the things that someone like you or I, who has been in a place where it's like, (laughs) I'm not sure I really want to do this anymore. Um, Here's what I wish everyone knew and how to do this differently. Yet people have to be in a place where they experience they don't have to be. They often are in a place where they are experiencing a really painful, whether it's physical pain or mental, emotional pain, a really painful experience that then motivates them to change their habits and change their behaviors. Because just like for chiropractors, a lot of chiropractic patients come into the chiropractor's office because they can't get out of bed because they've hurt their low back or um, they're dealing with this acute onset of migraines that's making them vomit and non-functional and they can't take care of their kids, whatever it, whatever it may be, right? Like they don't typically walk into our office and say, I feel really good and I'd just like to stay feeling really good. And that's why I'm here. How do you see the how do you see that same thread show up in midwifery? I have a thought, but I want to see what your thoughts are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think pain is a very strong motivator. I've joked with a lot of people, the best weight loss program they could ever make is if you buy into a hamburger and instantly start having heart attack symptoms, that instant gratification, when the longer something else is and the more illusion it is, it's harder to grasp. If you make this choice, it has this consequence. Um, and that's just human nature. But I think for the side of clients, We see it once in a while, we get fortunate that they had someone in their family, they were exposed to it, and it was a first choice as a first-time mom. But most of our women, they've been burned by the healthcare system. They've been abused. They've been had a very traumatic experience. They want something different. They've had so much trauma and pain from their last experience. They want something different. That's what traditionally happens. And I would love to see it the other way where you had sisters and you had moms and everything's perfect. And our culture of birth is so positive. But um, yeah, the trauma of birth is is very, I mean, I've had so many ladies say they're, they, they want the most secure birth control ever because that was so traumatic. They're never going to have a baby again. Like there's just extremes. Um, but I think the other pain trauma on the midwifery side in the burnout is we want to serve and we want to do everything and we keep saying it'll get better or it's out in the future. It's not all of a sudden you have cancer and your um, your your husband divorces you and your kids don't talk to you. It's these are long term vague things. It doesn't happen instantly, so it's gradual. And um, so I think being proactive with midwives and chiropractors of how to create a good business foundation, how to do professional development, how to get life habits. I mean, we're not perfect, and to be forgiving of ourselves. Um, I love my life coach I've had for the last five years, and. 
just having somebody objective on the outside to even talk about things and forgive yourself. I think that was the biggest thing was um, being a type A person perfectionist, you just mm-hmm. have to get rid of that guilt of like, I can't do everything and I didn't do it perfectly and that's okay. So each one of us has our own little inner challenges. Yeah. The, the thought process that I had about when people come to a midwife, for example, is probably, and I don't know, cause I'm not a midwife, but I've been, I've been the person going to the midwife to say, I don't want to repeat those last two birth experiences. Do you think it's possible I can do this differently? And I did somewhat do it differently. Although the end result was still a surgical birth. I actually felt much more supported throughout my pregnancy by um, having midwifery care instead of obstetrical care. And, um, and even just getting to like experience like my water breaking and um, seeing how long I could really be pregnant (laughs) Um, all of those things were different. And so while the, yeah, again, the end result was I still had a third surgical birth. There were things that I took away from that experience that I felt like were actually really empowering and, and healing and that wouldn't have been obvious maybe, or like some people wouldn't consider if they were just looking at, well, did you actually have a home birth? After having they look at the end result, they don't look at the process to it. It's the it's the empowerment, it's the control, whether you're a chiropractor, a midwife, a, a client having a baby, choices. Maybe you ended up the same way, but you know in your mind you tried XYZ, you had the choices, you had the options versus someone just said, Okay, we're scheduling your C-section and this is the way it is. It doesn't, it's not so much the end result, it's how you get there. I mean, I've seen the most traumatic normal births because the woman had no choices. She was asking questions, the belittling, the the mental trauma that can happen. And everybody's like, well, you have a happy mom and a happy baby. What's your problem? Our culture doesn't give enough respect to the emotional and the, I mean, women in, in general, anytime we feel boxed, we feel cornered with our business, with our personal life, that creates some of that burnout, that creates some of that fear and that anxiety. If we don't feel like we have choices, whether they're real or actual, that's when a lot of that trauma I feel like starts happening because we feel very disempowered. We feel I can't, I can't serve these ladies because I can't take a vacation or I, I can't do this. Like when we start saying those things to ourselves and mentally don't feel like we have options and choices, you start shutting down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, well, there's a lot to unpack about the choices and feeling like you don't have choices. And oftentimes people will say they can't change their office hours. They can't increase their fees. They can't, um, you know, take a vacation, even if that vacation is not like going somewhere, but just taking a week off work. Yeah. Taking a break. Um, they think that they can't. And in reality, the only person who can actually decide to do those things is that person. So that gets tricky, but yeah, you can't, you can't necessarily just like mindset your way out of that belief system because underneath it for most people is some kind of trauma. So you have to be able to heal the trauma, be willing to heal the trauma, be willing to look at it, which can be also re-traumatizing and then yes, changing your belief system. 
Yeah. And I think once you're in burnout, you had brought it up like it's a vicious cycle. When you're in burnout and you're in survival and you feel like you're in this dark hole, the last thing you want to do is be preventative, exercise, eat well. When you don't eat, you're, you're traumatized even just getting out of bed, like for us to ask these extra things. It's like yeah. you almost have to have a leap of faith, like, or like, you know, you had surgery and they tell you to get out of bed and it hurts terribly, but you know, yeah. it's going to be better long term. Like, you just have to tell yourself, I'm going to hate it. I got to reopen that wound. I've got to get through this. I've got to figure out what subconsciously that mental game I'm playing. It's going to hurt for a while. Um, Like I was just talking to another midwife this morning about some pretty traumatic things we've been through together um, the last few years and just how they've made us stronger in the moment. They totally suck in the moment. You, you hate it. You're like, why I'm just going to give up. I'm going to drop everything. I am a bad person X, Y, Z, but after it's over and you look back at it, you see, see the opportunities it created for you. You create, you see the growth. Um, I I was talking to a wise person last week. They're like, the best education in life is being a business owner. You get the fastest (laughs) professional development. You fail quickly. You, if you want the best professional development, start a business because you just, you're going to fall and you got to get back up and you're going to fall and you're going to back up. It's that supporting environment to surround yourself. When you fall, you have somebody to help you get back up versus you're just trying to pick yourself back up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, having a good family, having good staff members, having good clients, having a good partner, having a good counselor, support, life coach, whatever is on whoever's on your team to help you. Because when you're a business owner, I mean, especially chiropractic doesn't have the extremes of the emotions. Everybody always assumes midwifery is just so perfect and kumbaya. And I'm like, it's one extreme or the other. You got 99% of the time is beautiful. And then when you get that 1% that's not, it's an extreme. And, and like, it is a high litigation and you just, there's so many things in the backdrops people don't think about with running a midwifery practice or a birth practice um, that I'm sure is very similar to chiropractor. And if we could be proactive, making policies, making education, making a business foundation. So then when those things hit, you're not so blindsided. You've at least got a plan in place to how to resolve it or an exit strategy. So I think those are the things being proactive. Just try to stop burnout before it even comes because there's a lot of stress with running a business. You mentioned social supports through your family, you know, your spouse, your partner, um, even, even like your children, your extended family, your colleagues, um, an association or membership of some kind, those all serve as social support. And I did not know this until about two weeks ago, but the research that is available for management and prevention of burnout, which is very limited, um, actually does indicate that here, here's a funny thing. I'll just kind of interject here. When, when the research, when you dig into it about prevention of burnout for healthcare workers, it says prevention of burnout should include prevention. (laughs) It's like, it sounds so silly to say that out loud, but it's like, wait, this whole article is about prevention. And then the conclusion is that prevention should be considered prevention preventative measures should be in place for people who are at risk and it's like so prevention is just prevention what does that tell us but everybody's at risk every single person this is a universal prevention like there's not there's risk factors to make it higher but yeah to prevent to prevent that's just that that's kind of a a chicken before the egg attitude (laughs) yeah it doesn't really like help you walk away with something that you can actually and tangible right but the two things that are available in prevention of burnout research 
are social support and financial management. Who knew? I mean, that's not surprising when you hear it, right? But that is that's the extent of what is available for us in regard to a peer-reviewed <laughs> um, journal article format. It's social support and financial management. If if you want to prevent burnout, you need to um, manage your finances well and have a, a support system. And that's why I was so passionate being part of Northwestern Mutual, a financial advisor. I saw so much with patients and the business um, owners. Your health and wealth are so interconnected. If you are having, you want preventative, but you can't afford to even get food on the table, you're not going to be proactive. You're going to go when it's too late. You're going to, I mean, healthcare gets more expensive. If you're, if you're stressed about basic survival, your mind's not going to get into creativity, that hierarchy of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like if we can't get past that basic foundation of worrying every two weeks, is there a paycheck coming? And are we going to have a roof over our head? What's happening next? That scarcity fear, which is very prevalent right now with um, so many changes happening and just this unknown world, you have to dig deeper to find systems, to be proactive, to get creative with your budgets, get creative with your businesses, to think outside the box. I think you and I have hinted at it over and over again. When people say, I can't increase my fee schedule, I can't take a vacation. You always can't. It's just maybe creatively, it's not going to be the one that you're, you're thinking of Hawaii sitting on the beach for three weeks. Mm -hmm. It might be a bed and breakfast overnight. It might be a walk in the park, a picnic, like there's different variations of breaks and vacations and even that fee schedule, like I hear a lot of times with the midwives, we were just talking about the cost of malpractice insurance and rationalizing, how do I afford this? I can't afford this. And I'm like, you can afford it if you make your fee schedule accurate to represent your true overhead. This is a risk. This is a short-term risk, a long-term risk. How do I show you that perceived value? What can I talk to you about? What can I show so that you can understand? Maybe you haven't had any friends that have gotten sued. Like, what can I do to relate this to you that that value is present? Okay, so let's dive into some strategies that we use to um, manage our time and our energy so that we are being preventative. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and you were just sharing that you know you you have a lot of ideas. I talked about that a little bit when we started recording. I have a lot of ideas too. I've learned to accept first and foremost, that I can't take action on every idea that I have. And when I try to do that, I'm really clear about what the consequences are. Um, Not even just for myself, but also my team members and my family. So I've, I've peeled it way back. Um, Okay. Where do you want to start? (laughs) I think it's just getting to the basics of if you can't even take care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. If you can't take care of your basic needs, you can't be a good mother, wife, sister, daughter, practitioner. Um, It's going back to the basics. And sometimes that's hard because then we have to go inner Um, and I, and we go through waves. Like I got sick a month ago and I've gotten out of a habit. I've got to get back into it. Like the exercising, the, the miracle morning, a lot of these professional development, I love to mimic and copy systems and protocols. So how do the successful do it? How do the the people that look like they're the happiest in the world, like what are the research showing? And it's, they take care of themselves and it's that self-care is self-aware. It's not selfishness. It's being able to acknowledge that. And so exercising, eating well, 
Um, maybe you're paying a little more for organic food, but long-term, you're going to feel better. You're going to think clearer. You're going to be more creative. Um, I mean, people say, well, I don't have time to exercise. They don't realize that 20 minutes will give you back shorter memory of things, faster productivity, not so sluggish. Like there's just so much compounding benefit to some of these things. So I always like to talk about return on investment. I like to talk objectively because that's how I can relate to things. Um, so yeah, time management. I am a structured person. I make lots of schedules. I, I'm very conscious with my time because I know that's our most valuable asset. We can make more money. We can go have another experience XYZ. Time is your most valuable resource. And once you start respecting that and you start showing it that value, you're more conscientious of choices you make. You're more conscientious of what you're going to do with it or gain it. Like if you choose to eat a hamburger, if you choose to not exercise, you're going to take away some of that time long-term. So it's just, it's putting it into a different perspective. Um, is this something that you work with your clients on? How does that, what does that look like for you with your, with your people? Yeah. So when I do my consulting services, it's so fun because people think, when they initially start out, we're just going to talk about business. We're going to talk about your business plan. We're going to talk about your structure, fee schedule. And that's one piece of the puzzle. That's what we start out with. But I, yeah. I, I relate it. It's just as much structuring and training you professionally into a business owner, into a successful person, as it is writing these tools and templates. Because I can give you the most amazing customized plans in the world. But if you don't have that professional development, you don't have that resilience, you don't you're going to get burnout. You're not going to be able to ride the wave. So I really stress the importance of we, we, we do weekly tasks and goals. Okay. You're going to research insurance companies, but you're also going to re listen to this audio book. You're going to start doing X, Y, Z. What are little things we can do in your life? I don't all of a sudden say, okay, you've got to exercise two times a week for 20 minutes. I'm like, what are things you would love to have part of your habits? You want to just start drinking more water. Like, let's make that part of your goals for the next week. How are you feeling? So it's a lot of mental and objective. Um, and in the, in the, oh, the morphing people do to that next level. It's just, it's phenomenal. In, in 60 days, the first couple of weeks are hard, but then once they get in the groove and they get the cravings and they realize the power this has, they open up Pandora's box. Like when they let it in and they're open and they're willing, like, I just, I love the transformations. Yeah, I think that people over the last six years have come into my program thinking they're going to find out how to see more patients and um, make more money, right? And they do oftentimes see more patients and make more money. But the thing is, the, like the, th the the common theme has always been they make more money working less hours. And that can have some interesting connotations for people because they might think that like, oh, that's so selfish or why would you do that? But when I like step back from the, the common thread of working less, making more money behind that is a happier and healthier practitioner. And that to me is like actually a lot more important than how much money they're making. Although the money is, you know, the money is um, like a necessary tool to live the life that they want to live and to keep a thriving business open for their clients, their patients. When I can look at what's behind the, the work less, live more, if you will, it is uh, a happier, healthier 
person who has a sustainable life in business, not just like a crash and burn life in business. Well, in the direction I compare it to is we talk about the four cash flow quadrants. Robert Kiyosaki is an amazing educator in financial empowerment. The Napoleon Hill Foundation has done wonderful work with all their books. But the cash flow quadrants, you can be a, you can work for somebody else, be employed, which is most people. You can be self-employed, which is very similar. It's either you're exchanging your own time for somebody else or you're exchanging your own time for your own paycheck. Like they're very similar pieces of the puzzle. And then there's business owners and there's investors. And it's a huge mental shift to go to the other side because like for midwives, especially that psychology of money where they're like, I'm not, I don't want to be greedy. I want to serve lots of people. And I, I'm, I talk about how you create systems, you create business businesses versus you create a mom and pop self-employment, you can now serve more families. You can now, not all midwives want to run their own practices. They're looking for places that will hire them. Um, So if we can find those ones that have that entrepreneurial and can really take that leap of faith to the other side, we're going to be able to serve more families with chiropractors, with midwives. So it's definitely a mental shift in understanding that money gives you more opportunities. It gives you more access to resources. You can now create foundations. You can now, you can, like, I I even sometimes talk about maybe you want to create a little tiny mom and pop home birth practice. Let's create other revenue streams. Let's create other income possibilities that now you don't even have to worry about the numbers of this. It's truly for fun. It's truly exactly your vision of what makes you happy. You can take the clients you want. You don't have to worry. There's, there's so many possibilities to open up money, a choices. And that comes down to a lot of that anxiety and control when we talk about finances. Yeah, I don't. I don't think people come, you know, into um, like a business coaching program thinking like they need time management skills, but they often do. <laughs> um, and yeah, like like what I was saying, they they think that they're going to learn how to see more patients and make more money, but until they really shift their perspective about the value of their time it can just be, it can be so detrimental to the individual to just be chasing more money. And, and that meaning also squeezing more people onto your schedule um, because you only have so much time. Yeah. Well, and midwives are terrible at that. We're like, we're going to use our own cash. We're going to start small. Then I'll hire somebody. They become the accountant. They become the lawn keeper. They become the painter. They, they become all these hats. And then they realize they're working 80, hundred hours a week. And they didn't budget in it to add and exchange their time. They just, they, they didn't give that true value to themselves right from the beginning or benefits or just, I, I think it's very interesting. And that comes down to that business education. What is your true value of time? Like if you're exchanging it, not just forefront what you're worth, but that that ripple effect of long-term. And so it is, it's very interesting. Um, in midwives, we talk a lot. Okay, like let's start a little bigger with your systems. Let's get a plan together so you can get private money investors. You can get a business startup loan. Like let's make a system where you have two, three midwives from the beginning and you invest more in your marketing campaigns because you've got a system a little sooner versus this is the slow and hard way to do it. I want you to have a springboard of success and you're going to be happier in the process. Interesting. That's really interesting because I tend to be the bootstrapper with starting a business and the bootstrapping model is like what you just explained, you know, and like the way that you work with people is the opposite. 
And um, it like I always like to have my mind open to a different perspective. <laughs> but I mean, some is good and some's not. Like if some people are like, but I don't want business partners. I want to stay small and simple. I want to stay self-employed. That's totally fine. But most midwives have an end game that they want to be the business owner. They want to come and go as they choose. They want to be icing on the revenue cake if they're participating versus I can't take a vacation because I can't pay anybody to replace me. Like that, <laughs> that structure makes it very difficult to separate when you're on call 24 seven. It, it's not like, Oh, a chiropractic office. Yes. You're going to lose your revenue. If you take a few days off a midwife can't just leave town if she doesn't have backup. And she, we are always, there's such a different adrenaline demand for midwifery yeah. that you have to have more vacation time. You have to have more self-care than ever because you're always available and it's time sensitive. It doesn't matter if it's two in the morning. You can't tell that baby, sorry, I just went to bed an hour ago and delivered three babies today. Babies don't care. <laughs> right. That's a really interesting perspective. Um, I, I, that really resonates with me a lot that because the demand on your time and your energy is so high, and I say this all the time, like I cannot imagine having the schedule of a midwife or a doula. Um, I've literally vomited from staying up all night before. Like just, just because I was up awake all night, I threw up. <laughs> My body just doesn't tolerate it well. Um, so yes, but what you were saying is that because you have such a high demand on your time and your energy, you need even more time to recover from that output the, the very having high a call activity. team and having, yeah, I stress so much the, the burnout in midwifery is so directly correlated with the size of the practice. Um, the more people you have, I tend to see less burnout, but less love for midwifery. Once they start getting above four or six midwives on a team, you're starting to lose that quality. That two to four number is really nice because all of a sudden somebody gets sick. You're not when you're doing out of hospital, it's not just like a hospital practice. When you've got a home birth, you've got a radius, you've got to have a couple, you got to plan A, B, C, D. So maybe she's the third on call, but you, you always have to have a backup and a strategy in place. And that causes, so I always talk a lot of times if they want a business structure, how can we make the numbers work where they can have a team from the beginning of two to four so that they're not on call for the first year and a half, 24 seven, they're itching and pushing to get somebody off training. They're pushing that, that, that pressure of needing to separate in a break gets stronger when you try to do it yourself and slowly grow. Okay. So what are some things that you implement in like your own daily routine or your daily life that help you, um, yeah, I, I would say well. the, honestly, the last couple of weeks, I have not been better at it, but I'm definitely, so I think it's a direct correlation of how well you eat and um, the water, like even just some of the teas, like I'm very proactive of more cleansing teas and doing like detoxes and things and um, just having fun. Like I think COVID made it so much harder to go on date night or to have all these like a vacation. Oh my goodness. Like the power of those things. So I think just being able to, or you know, I, I go through these waves where I'm like, okay, I'm superwoman, I'm superwoman, and I'm getting better each time where I'm like, nope, I'm pushing my envelope. I can feel those little red flags coming out. The first yeah. time I went through burnout, I ignored it for eight months. Then yeah. I ignored it for five months. Then I ignored it for three months. Now I'm only ignoring it every couple of weeks. So <laughs> it's going through these waves of knowing yourself and knowing, okay, 
I've taken on too many projects. I didn't, I thought that this was X, Y, Z and it's got three times extra things involved. I got to step back. I got to say, I'm sorry. I can't do that and not feel guilty like I used to. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's hard when you do consulting and you, you put out a bunch of proposals, there is some variation of unknown, but also knowing it's not time sensitive, like, okay, if they didn't get back to me for a month, I can start them in a month. Like they're going to survive versus like birth world. So, um, definitely with the midwives, I talked to them a lot, collaboration, social support, self-care. I mean, there's some midwives that part of their actual budget expense is a hired massage therapist, hired personal trainer first thing in the morning. They're, they truly are putting themselves, and these are all legit business expenses. It's that it's, it's, so I think we just need to give credit of how do we just make us the top priority and objectively stick to that. Um, so yeah, I think just family and prioritizing things. And um, it is hard when you get down these wonderful projects, you're like, okay, I got to step back a little bit too much, too many red flags. <laughs> I was watching a video that just popped up in my newsfeed yesterday of a coach that I've followed for a long time. And there happens to be a lot of chiropractors that follow this same person. And um, he had this individual on stage, the coach did, and it was at an event from, I think, 2018. And they went through this long discussion to arrive at this one takeaway, which was how much money did he want to earn each year? And he said 250000 was like his true goal. And right now, at that moment, at least, he was earning 90000 hmm. And the takeaway was, if you want to earn 250000 what do you have to do? What business do you have to grow to make that possible? And I was like, that's exactly what I teach in my programs. But it was like such a succinct way to say it. And it, I, I just loved hearing it because it, it like made it so much more concise than how I typically explain it to people, which is like a lot of what you've just said, right? Build your ideal lifestyle and really dream, like think outside the box. Don't just think about what seems realistic or possible, but what do you truly desire? What do you really want? And as you create this picture, if you will, of what that life looks like, and you start to think about how much time would you give to taking care of yourself through all the ways that you would do that, like your nutrition, moving your body, um, just, you know, meditation, prayer, reading a book, reading the Bible, whatever it may be, then how much time would you give to your, like your relationships and, and putting all those things onto a calendar and then looking at how much time you actually have left over for your business. It's far less, far less than what you're probably working right now. And if it's not, it's because you're, you're keeping yourself stuck in this box of what you think is actually necessary or possible to be successful. So that's my way of saying like, build the business that gets you to the end result that you actually desire for yourself. But <laughs> very similar to what I do. Cause a lot of times when we're starting to dream big and it's the first few meetings, the task I give is make a vision board, put up, we're not talking about numbers. We'll worry about numbers later. Let's just, if you woke up tomorrow and you were living your dream life, not my dream life, your dream life, what would it look like? And then we would make a strategic plan backwards. I want to, and it wasn't just your business. It was also your life. How many vacations do you want? What do you want to feel like? What do you want to look like? What do you want to be surrounded by? What lifestyle are you looking for? And then we would reverse strategically plan. Okay. To make X, Y, Z happen, you need these funds 
funds. You need these habits in place. You need these structures. Mm -hmm. And then let's reverse back the next. I mean, it's not going to be tomorrow. I tell people it's not a quick fix, but the things you work hard for you more reward. So I say, okay, this is three, five, seven years from now where do you want to be? And then we would reverse. So if we can't make the numbers for their midwifery practice work to make that happen, we start brainstorming other revenue streams, um, boutique shops, other consultants, um, lactation, other revenue streams to bring into their business that will get it to that level. So it it is, it's very similar. um, But yeah, just getting people to have, because if you have a motivation and you have a drive to focus on, um, and there's so many studies with vision boards, like if it's visual, and it's concrete, you wrote it down, you say it out loud. It just, it's more likely to happen. My husband and I used to have a notebook that was just a cheap, like $1 spiral notebook, single subject, (laughs) probably from Walmart or something, you know, like just really basic that we would every year on like New Year's day, write down our goals for the year, each of us individually, and then together for our family. And then we would take that notebook, close it, put it on our kitchen counter, and then we would stack our mail up on top of it. You know, like things that were not really urgent or important, like magazines that we thought we'd read one day. And we would literally repeat this process for years. And we would pull out that notebook like the next year and look at the list. And like, usually a lot of the things that we wrote down had actually come to fruition somehow, but it wasn't because we had it like right in front of us every day. It was just, I don't know, probably more subconscious, but interesting. You had more accountability to each other versus you were mentally saying it. You like, just when they talk about Weight Watchers or like my husband and I have it on the fridge and we both weigh each other and we both have, okay, how much you drink and eating. It's very different than if you just, when you're held accountable out to the universe or out to your support team, it's just, it's a different level of expectations. I took that same concept and and made it into like a different one page sheet. And I do a, like, I go through a process with it every quarter. And I've taught this in aligned woman for years. We call it a quarter card, but essentially it's like every 90 days you work through that process of what are your goals and like, what are the action steps that you're going to take to get to those goals or reach those goals or manifest those goals. <laughs> and, um, I think it's actually much more effective than just writing it down in a notebook one time a year and then looking at it again a year later. Although that was a really good start. Um, I always encourage people to have their quarter card someplace where they can see it often. Mine is like behind my computer screen. So it's sort of like behind you and um, it's not like just tucked away in a notebook. You know, I see it multiple times a day. (laughs) Even pictures, like I, when we talk about a vision board and the power, it's sometimes not just words, but if there's a birth center building you've been watching and you really want, or there is a vacation rental you're dreaming about, like have a picture. If you want this vacation, if you want to own an island someday, have them up so you're constantly looking at those visualizations because they're just, they're so powerful. They motivate you. Okay, I'm going to stay up an extra hour. I'm not going to watch this binge thing tonight. I'm going to make a choice because I see where I want to be. It's a constant reminder and motivator. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. What are some parting thoughts that you want to share before we wrap this conversation up? I think the biggest thing that I've really taken away over the years is we're human beings and we beat ourselves up too much that we have to just 
be ex- have big dreams and know we're going to go ups and downs, but are we going to pick ourselves back up when we hit our downs? That's when it truly shows the type of person we are. It's not, you're always amazing. You're doing great things. You're doing great things. Our characters come out when we stumble and we have our challenges in life and how do we respond to them and how do we react? So I think um, my big takeaway is just be inspired. Know every little day, if all of a sudden you decide to eat a bowl of cookie dough, don't beat yourself up and say you're a failure and just give up. Like just forgive yourself for what you did yesterday and tomorrow's a new day. And um, I think just that deeper forgiveness of us making mistakes, but getting ourselves back up from them. There's actually a lot to say about that, but I will, (laughs) I will save that for another day. Okay. Leslie, for those that are listening, who want to learn more about you and what you do, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, I am at Midwifery Business Consultation, and it's just the name as the company for the website, midwiferybusinessconsultation.com. Emails, midwiferybusinessconsultation at Gmail. I have many great resources. And even if you're a chiropractor, business structure and professional development, there's very similar concepts, or you know birth working colleagues to get connected with me. Um, I've got a YouTube channel. It's literally Midwifery Business Consultation. There's a, a group that we've created for birth work and chiropractors are more than welcome to join um, called Let's Talk Midwifery Business. So there's resources out there, support groups, there's virtual connections. We can really, even if you want to join and say, hey, I want to meet some great midwives in my area, that power of networking and just getting your guys' businesses to the next level and your community is pretty awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for being back on the show today. Okay. Have a great day. Do you want to make more money without squeezing more patients or clients onto your schedule? If that's you, be sure to take my free class. In it, you'll learn how to bring leveraged income into your practice so you can work less, live more, and help more people than ever before. You can get signed up by going to drdannieleaton.com and click free.